Thanks for joining us online today. If you'd like to join the conversation, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We hope that you'll enjoy this message. Isn't it like people jumping off of stuff, bikes on top of mountains? I want you to know something. I don't do any of that. But I love life. I'm adventurous. I'm awesome. My wife tells me so at least three times a week that I'm awesome. Absolutely. Here's what I, you know, okay, here's it, here's it. I'm not the adventure thrill seeking type in its traditional format if jumping off of stuff is traditional format okay but let me tell you what i've always committed to okay listen i don't drink i don't smoke i don't collect precious moments okay all of that thrill seeking stuff i don't do that you know what i do i've always told people i can have more fun than you with a bag of smarties and mountain dew let's go let's go i'm just telling you that is an adventure with keller what up? It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Okay. So here's the deal. This is part three of our Adventure of a Lifetime series. And guys, I'm so excited about all that God has already started to do in our heart. Because see, the world says that, that there's an adventure we're supposed to live. And some of us have tried that for days, weeks, months, years, decades. Some of us, we've tried to live the adventure of a lifetime the world's way. And what it's left us with is, is emptiness. It's left us with, with, with uh, just this, this place in our heart that we're going, there must be more. There must be more there must be more and so what we're talking about in this series from Easter really to Memorial Day or to Mother's Day actually is we're talking about the adventure of a lifetime that God wants us to live trading in the world's idea of adventure for the adventure of God living our life according to God's word the Bible that's what we're talking about through these weeks and so in part one we talked about peace and how peace is such an amazing driver of our life and propeller in our life and then last weekend Pastor Kyle talked about excuses how excuses are the thing that hold us back and keep us from living God's adventure for our life. Well, this weekend in all of our services at both of our locations, our plantation campus all weekend long, our gateway campus, I want us to talk about another thing that has the power to rob us of really being able to live the adventure of a lifetime, and that is offense. No, not a fence. Offense, offenses, offenses in our life, okay? And here's what I want to do. I want us to roll up our sleeves a little bit because I want to teach us this weekend about this idea of offense. God's been teaching me so much out of the Word of God recently about this idea of offense. And so I want to, honestly, here's what I want. I want to treat this like a Next Level Church staff meeting, okay? So, so let me put the professor glasses on, okay? Let me button up the shirt, put on a tie that doesn't match, okay? Because we're going to teach. Like, I want to I I tap into my inner teacher here this weekend, and I want to teach us about offense. 
And so let me start with a question, okay? Let me treat this like I would teach at a staff meeting. Here you go, next level. Get ready. This is how, this is how we do it. Okay, here you go. So, so let me ask us a question. Start with this question. And the question is this. When was the last time you were offended? Right. For some of us, it was a couple months ago. Some of us, a couple weeks ago. Some of us, a couple of minutes ago. Come on, it's church. You lie, you fry. Confession's good for the soul, right? Come on, how many of us, we had a fight driving in? Don't answer that. Husbands, do not. That's a trick. That's a trick. Don't put your hand up, right? Okay, but offenses happen all the time, don't they? At home, at the office, in our workplace, in school. Offenses happen everywhere we go. And some offenses are big, some offenses, most offenses are small. But either way, offense is offense, Offense is just a part of life. Here's what Jesus said about it. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. L- listen, look at this verse. Jesus says this. Offenses will certainly come. In this life, offenses will certainly come. Come on, whatever service you're in right now, on the count of three, say the word certainly. One, two, three. Certainly, yes. In this life, Jesus said, offenses will certainly come. But then look what else he says. He goes on and he says, but woe to the person through whom they do come. And that word woe there, here's what's interesting. Every time the word woe is used in scripture, it always is used in a violent, almost military type language, like, like, like that kind of a connotation. So here's the cool part. Jesus says, hey, listen. In this life, offenses are going to happen to us. You're going to be offended. But, Jesus said, if you'll learn to process offense right and leave it, leave the, re- the revenge part to me, the woe-in part to me, I'll do the woe-in. You deal with the offense, I'll deal with the offender. That's what Jesus is saying in this verse. So what does that mean? That means we've got to figure out how to deal with offense that happens in our life. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to talk about six truths about offense. Six truths about offense. When you come into your service this weekend, you were handed a bulletin. Reach down, pull that out, because inside of there's a slip of paper with some fill-in-the-blanks on it. This is just a way for, for you to follow along with my train of thought here for the next few minutes as we talk about six truths about offense. Here's the first one. Number one, write it down. In this life, Jesus said, offenses will come. It's gonna happen. Offenses are just part of life. But here's the deal. We live in a society that celebrates people being unforgiving. Don't we? We live in a society that celebrates when people get angry, when people, when, when people harbor unforgiveness and bitterness. We celebrate people for their anger now. Some of us grew up in neighborhoods or communities where, we, where you heard people or, or they said this or insinuated something. She's a strong woman. She's a strong one because she holds, holds grudges. Nobody, no, no, we've heard us say, don't mess with him. Man, once you get on his bad side, there's no going back. I was just in a meeting recently where two uh, businessmen were talking about this. And they were talking about another business person that they know. And they, the one guy said, oh, yeah, man, don't cross him. And the other guy said, oh, I know, man, you get on his bad side. There's no coming back. We live in a world that celebrates that. We live in a culture that sees unforgiveness as a strength. And that's the adventure they want us to live. Somebody offends you, man, you hold on to it. Man, you never forget. You never let it go. You get angry. You get bitter. And here's the deal. Some of us have tried that. 
We've tried to hold on to anger. We've tried to hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness at all costs. With clenched fists and clenched teeth and a clenched mind. We've tried to hold on to it. And we know just how much that adventure costs. Here's the second truth of offense. Number two, it takes more strength to forgive than it does to not forgive. It takes more strength and courage to forgive when someone offends us than it does to not forgive. See, not forgiving someone is the easy path. Not forgiving somebody, that's, that's the easy path. Not forgiving, like just just writing them off. Someone does us wrong. Someone offends us. Someone hurts us. Someone, someone does something that offends us. And we just toss them to the curb. We just, fine. You know what? Well, then, fine. This is over. And we just break up. We just throw the ring back at them. We just, fine. We just lose it. You know what? We're, I'm going to unfriend you on Facebook. You know what? I'm just going to stop going there. Well, then, fine. I'm not going to that group anymore because that one person looked at me that one way and that just offended me. Well, fine, I'm going to stop going to that church. Fine. Then I'm just, you know what? I'm just never going to call them back. I'm just never going to reply back, and they'll get the hint. See, not forgiving is the easy path. It's just not the best path. But our culture says that's the right path. And so what, why? Because now all of a sudden it's not the best because now we just live with all this hurt and this pain and this bitterness and this anger and this, this offense in our heart forever. But here's what I want us to understand. Not forgiving someone is unnatural. Have you ever thought about that? Like, think about little kids. Like, I remember when I was a little kid, uh, one of my best friends in the whole world, his name was Adam. And Matt and Adam, man, we were inseparable. Matt and Adam, Matt and Adam. And we tried to spend as much time as we possibly could. Like, in the summer, like, he lived kind of around the corner and around the other corner from my house. And it was like, man, we would ride our bikes. We'd spend the night. We'd spend the night again. We'd spend the night again. We just wanted to hang out. Well, normally, over the course of a summer, probably two or three times, We'd get on each other's nerves to the point, and we'd be tired and so little sleep, and we that one of us would offend the other one, and we'd get mad. And sure enough, whoa, I hate you, and you're not my friend anymore, and all of that, right? And I'd go run to my mom, and he'd go run to his mom, and what happened, whatever, okay? But then what would happen? Within like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, right? By the time the TV show Golden Girls was over... We had forgiven each other. We had moved on, and we were back out in the yard playing wiffle ball again. Why? Because it's natural. Look at kids. It's natural to forgive. It's unnatural not to forgive. Well, if that's true, if that's true, then where do we learn this whole unforgiveness thing? Where do we learn to take on offense and never let it go, never get past it? Where do we learn that? Here's where we learn it. We learn it from our upbringing. That's where we learn this whole idea of harboring offense and being angry and bitter. We learn it from where we came from. Some of us, you know what you learned from your upbringing? You learned that when someone wrongs you, when somebody offends you, you just run. And whenever there's tension in a relationship, whenever there's tension in a room, you just, come on, kids, we got to go. And you just pack them up, and all of a sudden, your kids are like, but I was playing. And all of a sudden, they don't understand what's going on. And we learn. You just run. Just avoid. You just avoid it all. And that's what we learn from our upbringing. Some of us, when, when it comes to, to pain and conflict and offense, we learn to get angry and fight 
and someone offends us, whatever, you just throw down, you just slam doors, you just get angry, you just get mad. That's what we learn. Some of us, we learn to, 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 to dodge it, to, to, to kind of play off the whole passive-aggressive thing. Well, you just speak in vague terms until they finally figure it out that you're not okay. Some of us, we learn that when offense comes, when pain is caused, when, some, when there's conflict in a relationship, some of us, we learn to do the whole silent treatment thing, the whole cold shoulder thing. And some of us, we wear it as a badge in our marriage. My husband and I, we went three and a half weeks before and haven't so, spoken to each other a word. How's that working? How's that going? Some of us, we've learned, I'll show him. I'll show her. And it's just like this stalemate. It's a cold war in your house. It's a cold war in your dorm room. It's a cold war in the office. Some of us, you know what we learned from our upbringing about conflict and pain and offense? You know what we learned? We learned just be the loudest one. You know how you win? You know how you get your way? You just get louder than everybody else in the room until they, you finally just wear them out. There's a word for that. It's called bullying. That's what we learn. See, we learn. See, see, unforgiveness is not a natural thing. It's a learned thing. It's a learned behavior. Jesus said, in this life, offense will come. And here's what we have to understand. It takes more strength to forgive than to not forgive. But here's the third, the third truth. We got to get this. How we handle offense in our life will determine how high we fly in our life. How, how we handle offense determines our destiny. This is why it's such a big deal. This is why I'm so passionate about this this weekend. Guys, we got to get this. Because how we handle offense or don't handle offense, whether we run, get angry, passive-aggressive, cold shoulder, bully, whatever. How we handle offense and learn to handle offense determines how high we can fly. Because when it comes to our life, you know what? There's two kinds of animals. There's chickens and there's eagles. When it comes to handling offense, there's chickens and there's eagles. And some of us, you're a chicken. You just walk around. Think about a chicken. They just walk around. Where do they get their food from? They get their food from the same place where they eat and where, or where their, their feet are. They get their food down at their feet. Why? Because their food comes from where their vision is and their vision's down. And they're just pecking the ground all the time, all the time, all the time. And they're just feeding on what they should be releasing. And instead of releasing and letting all of that go, they're eating it and they're ingesting it and they're taking it in on the inside. And they're just chickens. They're just, just chickens. They're just Walking around like a chicken. And some of you, you're a chicken. You're so busy looking down. But what does an eagle do? An eagle lifts up its eyes. An eagle soars up far above and searches out its food, what it will take in from there. It's not that a chicken can't fly. It's just that it doesn't have the strength or ability to rise above its present short-term circumstances to get above itself to reach another level. And some of you, that's the way it is with offense. You got your head down, and you're just pecking, and you're just pecking, and you're just pecking, and you're just pecking, and I'm pulling muscles, and it's hurting. But you got to get this. Because some of you, you're so busy, concerned about, well, they offended me. Well, they did me wrong. Well, they, well, then fine. You can be a chicken your whole life. 
But I believe God's called us to be eagles. Come on, next level. God's called us to be eagles. And he wants us to fly. He's got a destiny and a path for us to reach our full potential in Christ. That's what he wants for us. And some of us, it's time to stop looking around, looking down, start looking up. Get your eyes up. Why? Because there's more at stake in your life than you can possibly imagine or realize. But here's the cool part. We're not the first ones to ever struggle with this whole forgiveness thing, this whole offense thing, that when somebody offends us, we're not the first ones. Throughout the, the, the pages of Scripture, the Bible tells us time and time again of people who, who wrestled with this. And the one I want to draw our attention to this weekend is a guy by the name of Peter. Now, who is Peter? Peter was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He spent three years with Jesus. Matter of fact, the Bible says Peter was one of the inner circle. He was the inner three, Peter, James, and John. That they were the closest ones to Jesus. And so there's this moment in Matthew chapter 18 where, where Peter's trying to, to figure out this whole offense thing. And he's trying to honor God and he's trying to live his life right. But he's confused. And so, so he comes to Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. And he approaches Jesus asking him about this very subject we're all wrestling with this weekend. Here's what he says. He says in verse 21, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times... Should I forgive a brother or sister who sins against me? That if, if somebody sins, if somebody offends me, God, how, how many times? Because up to seven times in a day? Because the law says if somebody offends you or sins against you, then you should, then, then you should forgive them seven times in a day. That's what the law says. And so Peter's trying to reconcile. Like he's trying to figure this thing out just like we are. But look what Jesus says to him in verse 22. Jesus replied, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And another translation actually says more accurately, 70 times seven. 490 times in a day. Okay, which at that point, if you got to forgive somebody 500 times in a day, who are you hanging out with? Like, what? Like maybe you need some new friends because that friend is not being very nice to you. What, here's, here's the deal. Jesus is basically saying, more, Peter, more than a number. When it comes to offense in our heart, here's, here's what Jesus was saying. This is the fourth truth. Jesus is basically saying, listen, I want you to have a plan in place in your life to be able to perpetually forgive people when offenses come your way. That's what Jesus was saying. He's not saying, listen, make sure you count and you're up to 481, 481. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying, listen, offense will come. Peter, it's going to happen. People are going to wrong you. People are going to hurt you, big and small. Offenses will come. And so, Peter, you need a system, a strategy to eliminate offense out of your heart on a consistent and regular, I would even say daily basis. Guys, think about it. We have a system for eliminating waste and toxins, things we don't need in our life for every area of our life except our heart. Like your car has an exhaust system. And what's the exhaust system of your, of your vehicle designed to do? The exhaust system of our car is designed to keep the good 
but then in the process of fueling the engine, making it go, get rid of that which could slow the engine down or stop the engine and the car entirely. That's what the exhaust system is supposed to do. Our human body has a system that, that allows for it to keep the good and eliminate the waste, eliminate the bad. Take in the good, eliminate the bad. Our house, our, your, the home that you live in, we have trash, right? We, have, we pay a, a few dollars a month for a system that once a week comes to take away the recycling and the garbage. Why? Because we as humans have figured out that if we keep trash and waste in our home for too long, bad things start to happen. We have a system to eliminate Waste and toxins from our life, every area of our life, except most people don't have one for their heart. And we just take offense, take offense, take offense, take offense, big and small. Take offense. No, it's no big deal. Well, it's nothing. Ah, oh, you know, whatever. And what we're doing is we're just taking it in, taking it in the trash dumpsters, getting higher and higher and higher and higher. If some of you, if you treated your car the way you treat your heart, your car would never run. And you can't figure out why your life isn't running right. Like, think about, like, okay, does anybody else have those, those openings in the door panel on the inside of your car door? Come on, show of hands. Yeah, okay, like most of it, okay, right? Okay, I know that those are shaped like, like a bottle holder. They're not. You know what those are? Those are trash cans. I figured it out, man. Those are trash cans. And come on, anybody that like, to, like, is it just me or don't we all just like fill those things up? Like some of us, we got trash in yours in the passenger seat. You're passing trash back to your kids. Here, kids, I think I see some room. Put that in your door. Put it in there. It's fine, right? Like, and here's the thing. We never put big stuff in there. Like nobody has a pizza box in the slot in their door. Why? Because we know. Oh, yeah, well, that would be crazy. That My car would be a mess if I kept that stuff, right? We get rid of the big stuff. But the little stuff stays in there until one day you open your car door and there's trash all over the parking lot and it's windy and you're chasing it down and you're yelling at your kids, step on it, somebody grab the wrappers, right? Why? Because we've allowed little things to accumulate over time and eventually it's trashed the whole vehicle. And our heart is no different we have a system and strategy to eliminate trash. For me, it's this. Every day at the end of the day, I try my best that when I get out of the car, I look in there and I grab some trash. And at the minimum, once a week, I'll reach in there and I'll grab it, I'll grab it. When I fill up my gas tank, I'll reach down and I'll just kind of make sure that those, those receptacles are, are, are receptacle. What a great, what am I, an airline attendant? Like, what am I doing? <laughs> Exits here, 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 and here. What in the world? Oxygen mask. <laughs> I have a system to make sure that all of that little trash stuff doesn't, doesn't eventually just trash my car. We, so, so think of this. We have a, a system and strategy to eliminate waste and toxins from every area of our life except our heart. And yet, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this. Above all else, guard your car doors. Above all else, guard your heart. 
Why? For it is the wellspring of life. It is the fountain of water. It is the fountain of life. It is your heart is the very thing that fuels everything else in your life. And that's why the writer of Proverbs says, hey, guard your heart. Above all else, make sure there's no little offenses getting stuck in the arteries of your heart. Like some of us have known people who, who over a, a period of time, we watched them as a friend or a loved one, and, and it's like their health is just deteriorating. And over a period of months or even years, their, their skin starts to turn a different, like an ashen color. Like it's, it, it starts to change color, and their energy level starts to droop. And then sure enough, they go to the doctor, and because of you or someone else, encourage them, go to a doctor, and they find out that they've got arteries that, are, that have been clogged. And sure enough, the report comes, you're 70%, which means only 30% of your blood, only 30% oxygen is getting to your body and it's slowing you down. And here's the thing. Some of us, listen, some of us have, 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 have allowed offense to so clog the arteries of our heart that we don't even know it. We've gotten used to living on 30% oxygen. And yet you have kids, you have grandkids, you have coworkers, you have spouses who are looking at you going, I wish you could see that you're not okay. They're not getting the best of you. And the reason why is because we've allowed offense to clog the arteries of our heart. That's why this matters. It matters. It matters. Jesus wants us to have a plan for perpetually cleansing our heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest collections of Jesus' teaching in all of Scripture. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, he's teaching, and we know these as the Beatitudes. And here's what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. He says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Everybody, come on, whatever campus you're at, whatever service you're in right now, on the count of three, say the word pure. One, two, three. Pure. Blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus said. Okay, when you go back to the original language, that word pure is the same word that we in the English language could, could ultimately derive the word catheter from. Catheter. So here's what that means. Essentially, Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to be blessed in your life, the way to be blessed in your life is to be pure in heart. If you want to see God like you've never imagined it was possible to see God at work in your life, then figure out a way to hook a catheter spiritually to your heart. What does a catheter do? A catheter is a, is a device that, that removes toxins and waste that will ultimately poison the body. That's what a catheter does. So Jesus is saying, if you want to be blessed, if you want to see God like you've never imagined you could see him in your life, then you've got to figure out a way to keep your heart pure. Blessed are the pure in heart. Those who have a catheter hooked up spiritually to their heart so that as soon as offense comes in, keep any good that might come with it, release the bad. Keep the good, release the bad. Keep the good, release the bad. That's what a catheter does. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And guys, here's why this matters. Here's why this matters. This is so big. Fifth truth, write it down. God will only promote us to the level of our ability to handle and process pain. The reason this matters is because 
There's a promotion at stake. The reason this matters is because God has a destiny for us to live. He wants us to be focused on forward motion, forward attention, forward focus. That's what God wants. Luke chapter 12, Jesus was teaching. He said, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone's been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Jesus is saying, listen, don't pray for promotion and not expect problems. Forgiveness is a big deal that requires big people to handle it. Corporate America's figured this out. Corporate America knows that the, the top paying executives, the people who rise to the top, the leaders we all admire and know and love, guess what? The people that are at the very top are big people who know how to process and deal with pain and offense all the time. If you don't want big problems, then don't pay, pray for big promotion. They, they understand. The people who get the big bucks in corporate America are paid to handle big problems. You can't be an executive and not handle stress. You can't be a leader and take things overly personal. And there's nothing worse, is there, than putting a little person in a big spot. Some of you work in companies where that's the case. You work for a leader <clears throat> who's a little person. And everywhere they turn, everywhere you look, there's offense and, oh, they're offended here. Okay, there's nothing worse than a little person in a big, a big seat. See, it requires us to deal with it. So watch this. Is it possible? Is it possible that some of us are not being able to be promoted because we are not processing pain and problems and offense well? And so God is actually withholding promotion. And you're praying and seeking God. Lord, I want to go higher. Use me more. I want my influence to increase. And you're praying and asking God for promotion. And he's going, listen, you got to you, you learn how to deal with pain and problems and offense. That's why this matters. That's why this matters. Sixth truth, write it down. Undealt with offense requires us to use more and more energy to fuel it. The reason we have to learn, you guys, to deal with offense that Jesus promised would come is because holding on to bitterness and anger and resentment, holding on to, to offense in our life ultimately saps more and more and more of our energy. It's like, it's like your, your, <clears throat> your smartphone or it's like, like this iPad. This is my iPad. Okay, and okay, so here's what I did a few minutes ago before I came into uh, the service. I, I opened a bunch of apps, and so if you double-click on the little circle button at the bottom, you can see all of the apps. And so I got all of these, I got all these apps open right now. And you know what it's doing? It's just draining my battery down. There's just apps going on like crazy uh, behind the scenes. And so here's every once in a while, you know what will happen is is I'll be there's a Next Level Church app available in all of the places where you download apps. There's, and look, see, I got all the, oh, there's the cowbell app. All it does is ding, 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 ding. That's all it does. But it's awesome. Cow, okay, I'm just telling you, you guys, in all of these apps, you know what, the Broncos app, what up? Okay, sorry, ADD much? What is happening? Look, a bird. Here's, here's the point, here's the point. Here's the point. Some of us, what, the apps in our phone, the apps in our smart device, they, it, when they're open in the background, when we don't close those down, they, they drain our battery faster than it should be drained. And the same is true with offense in our heart. 
that when we harbor offense and unforgiveness and we're bitter and angry, we're holding on to that. It is taking energy from us to, to hold on to the past that should be put on our future. Here's how Paul said it, Philippians. Paul wrote it this way. He said, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Paul was saying, listen, I've got to let go of what's behind me so that I can press on toward what's ahead of me. Listen, Next Level Church, my heart as a pastor this weekend is so burdened for so many of us because we're expending so much energy. It's draining our battery, holding on to an offense. And listen, I understand it's scary because we look forward and we go, yeah, but I feel like if I offend, if I, if I let the, the person off the hook who's offended me, then, then somehow it's like they're getting away with it. Remember what Jesus said. Offenses will certainly come, but woe to those through whom they do come. Listen, letting some, forgiving someone, it doesn't, it doesn't let them off the hook. It lets you off the hook. It gives you the energy back. It gives you the strength back. It gives you the hope back. It gives you the life back. It gives you your freedom back. Well, I just wish they'd apologize. Listen, you're giving them way too much power. Well, if they just say they were sorry, so you're going to put your future on hold in the hope that someone will come to their senses and wake up and come... Jesus has given you way more control of your destiny than that. Isn't it time to close the apps? When my phone starts running slow, sometimes my wife will say to me, when was the last time you restarted it? She'll first ask, you know, are all the apps closed? Yeah, yeah, I closed them. Then she'll go, when was the last time you restarted it? You know why? Because sometimes we just need a restart. What if, Next Level Church, what if this weekend is your restart? What if right now, seated right where you are, you could take those offenses that are draining the life and energy out of you and you could give them to Jesus and let him deal with them. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty good deal. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. Before we move on with the remainder of our time together this weekend, I want to pray. So seated right where you are, would you just bow your head with me? Jesus, you told us, you promised that in this life, offenses would certainly come. So Jesus, I pray for so many of us who are holding on to offenses of the past, big and small. Jesus, right now in the stillness of this moment, we just release those offenses to you. Lord, we want to live your adventure, the adventure of a lifetime. But offenses are keeping us from being able to do that. So Jesus, right now, seated right where we are, we just release them into your hands, Lord. We forgive. We let go of anger. We let go of bitterness. We close the app. We close the app. We close the app. We close the app. 
Jesus, I pray that in the coming days, Lord, people around our world are going to see us and they're going to they're notice the difference. God, I, I pray that, that the evidence of, 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 of your life returning, oxygen returning to the bloodstream is going to be so apparent that people are going to go, hey, what's wrong with you, man? What happened to you? What would you do? What's going on? And you're, we're going to be able to tell the story that Jesus forgave me and that means I'm free to forgive them. And that life's going to return to our bodies. Life's going to return to our minds. Life's going to return to our spirits. And that we, Jesus, are going to be blessed because we are pure in heart. And we're going to get to see you in ways we never imagined we could. God, that is the adventure of a lifetime. Jesus, we step into that today. In this moment. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody at every campus who agreed said, amen. If your life has been impacted through this ministry, we would love to hear your story. Send us an email to mystory@nextlevelchurch.com. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. Also, if you want to support what God is doing here, you can do so through our website, nextlevelchurch.com, and help us bring you more messages just like this one every single week. Your generosity is making an impact here and around the world. Thanks so much for joining us today. Have a great week.